shit and paper on his player haters old news money on the other line so I'm ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another edition of i'm not gonna hold you this is episode 18 just want to let y'all know this is uh we're doing re reshooting that's why you're probably not watching this on the day it was supposed to drop but it's all good we're doing it all over again so this is uh episode 18 as usual i'm your host scott you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Bar Chair Scott. You can follow HMB Media on Twitter at HMB Media TV and at HMB Media on Instagram. Of course, you can follow the Barber's Chair Network at Barber's Chair Net on Twitter and Instagram. And you can subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Barber's Chair Network. There's a new summer sessions out right now as you were watching this. So go check that out. Uh, let's just get right into it, man. Let's just get right into it. By the way, Flows will not be joining me today. Mikey will not be joining me today. They both had some things they had to attend to. They both should be back next week. So, sorry for your gambling odds, if that's what you're looking for. But we are going to talk about the Chicago Bears. We're going to get right into it. We're going to start with that with my sound off. Off a crazy week that the Bears have had. Kind of crazy, like, 10 days that the Bears have had, man. Started with that ridiculous loss at home to the Baltimore Ravens, which I had the pleasure of being at covering. But it was also one of the worst football games I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Lamar Jackson did not play. Lamar Jackson was out with the with a sickness. I think it was like flu-like. wasn't COVID-related, which is good. And uh, Tyler Huntley started. Now, it was it was just one of those ugly type of games. Uh, Justin Fields did not have the best first half. He ended up getting injured at the beginning of the third quarter, which we later found out was bruised ribs. He, did, he missed the rest of the game. He ended up missing the Detroit game. And he is right now probably questionable for this Sunday against the Niners. But the good news is he did practice the last two days. It was limited, but they say he looked a little, little better. But his ribs, and there's absolutely no point in rushing him. Like, this is a lost season. This team is 4-7. and seven. They're not going anywhere. The coach is going to get fired. There's a great chance the general manager is going to get fired. There's going to be a whole new regime here next season. So there's no point of rushing your franchise quarterback just to play some meaningless games. So if he plays on Sunday, that means he's able to go. If not, get ready for the Andy Dalton experience for the third game in a row. Now, with this game, it was just one of those terrible games. You know, Andy Dalton came down off a lucky Hail Mary throw to Marquise Goodwin. They ended up giving the Bears the lead with like two minutes left. And then we just saw Tyler Huntley just drive, drive this defense. And I actually thought the defense had a pretty solid game that day. Tyler Huntley had could, got nothing offensively up until that last drive. But as the Bears defense does... In the Matt Nagy era, they gave it up, and the Ravens ended up losing. I understand Khalil Mack didn't play. Khalil Mack's out for the rest of the season. Eddie Jackson didn't play that game. But even with those two in there, we've seen that this team doesn't know how to keep late game leads. So after that terrible loss at home, you have the this report that came out on that Tuesday uh, about Matt Nagy was going to be fired after the Thanksgiving game against the Detroit Lions, no matter if they won or lost. And this had a lot of people, a lot of people in Bears Twitter, a lot of people in just sports in general, in the football world going crazy. And I just want to say, just because I covered a team, I had a lot of people hitting me up. Like, I don't fucking know, though. I only know a little bit more than y'all. Like, you know, I don't know you know, where exactly Justin was the night he was getting his, his ribs fixed. I don't, I don't fucking know. You ain't got to be hitting me up about that shit. But uh, it was a lot of people trying to figure out what's going on. And honestly, the Bears really were acting like they didn't know what was going on. Uh, and something that I didn't expect, Matt Nagy was not expected to talk to the press on that Tuesday, but ended up talking to the press. And it was a real awkward type of press conference, you know, him just denying I haven't heard anything and things of that nature. And I'm not a Mad Nagy fan. Uh, I actually, you know, from the few times I've met Mad Nagy, he looks like a cool guy. He looks like a guy who, you know, I could sit down and have a beer with. That doesn't have anything to do with how he does his job, but I just really felt like the Bears organization left their coach out there, out there to dry last week, and I just don't feel like that was a good thing to do. If, you know, if this was not a true report, you come out and say it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, this isn't true. He's our head coach. We're going to move forward with that. The fact that you wait 24 hours. Really, we didn't even, wasn't even 24 hours we wait because he, George McCaskey, the chairman of the Bears, met with the team on Wednesday night before the, before the Thanksgiving game and basically said, told the team there was no truth to the rumors. They, they didn't tell nothing to the press. There was no press release. They came out and, you know, when Ryan Pace spoke on his little, like, pregame show that he does for Bears.com on Thursday, he really didn't really say much either. Well, those reports are, you know, up to, up to my knowledge, unconfirmed. And from what us not from us not hearing anything from Ryan on Wednesday, uh, and also 
you know, on Tuesday and Wednesday. Also, him not speaking to the team was kind of weird to me. Like, usually that's the general manager's job, not the chairman of the board. So that was weird, and that also kind of told me that he's probably on the hot seat just as much as Nagy. And I think a lot of people were trying to figure out what was going to go on with that. So fast forward the next day, uh, another Thanksgiving game for the Bears. I don't know why we've been on there so much recently. I would like for them to stop. Uh, this is our third time in four years, and it's all against, against been against the Detroit Lions. And I must say, from being in the building, Detroit Lions have a pretty loyal fan base. I mean, considering they pro- they're probably the worst franchise in the history of sports. I mean, this is a winless team. This is the only team to go 0-16. Last division championship they had was 1993. Like, I was five years old in 1993. So that's just tell you how just terrible this organization is. This is an organization that had two players, two of the greats, Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, retire in their primes. That tells you everything you know. So that type of thing needs to go. We don't need to see the Lions every Thanksgiving. I get the Cowboys. They're America's team, big fan base. I understand. But please get away with the get off with the Lions Thanksgiving tradition and damn sure don't put the Bears on there. But that was, uh, you know, we had the worst game I've ever seen on, on Sunday against the Ravens, which was followed up by another one of the worst games I've ever seen on Thanksgiving. And the best thing about that game was probably the popcorn that I had at Ford Field. It was just another terrible game. And, you know, a lot of people was like, well, Andy Dalton threw 300 yards. You know, we haven't seen Justin Fields do that yet. Okay, yeah, he scored 16 points on the fucking Lions. I mean, that's not really an accomplishment. He threw a pick. He should have threw three. You know, they dropped just two of them right in their hands. It was just not a good game. And even on that last drive, you're playing for a field goal. Like, it's just it was just ridiculous. So, after that game, I was real eager to see what the, the temperature was going to be like in the press room. And Nagy came up there. What a real sly look. And he was up there trying to talk like, you know, like, oh, they won this game for me. The team won this game for me. You know, they, you know, Andy Dalton spoke up and spoke to the team on Wednesday night. And, you know, I really appreciate those guys. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe Andy was sticking up for Nagy. But then Andy comes up to the podium and Andy's like, oh, yeah, Matt wanted me to speak to the team. And I was like, okay, uh, now I get it. Matt wanted me to speak. It wasn't one of those things that was just, oh, I just want to do to support my coach, which told me a lot about that. And every time we would ask about what exactly George McCaskey said in these meet in this meeting, hey, all the Bears players were talking to us like we were the feds. So I didn't really take much from that. And so really since then, we haven't heard anything about him getting fired since then. They've been real radio silent, but – Everybody with a brain, and even had Ian Rappaport say on Rich Eisen's show yesterday, Matt Nagy is definitely going to be one of the coaching uh, uh, vacancies, you know, one of the coaches who's expected to get fired. And he said that the Bears should be a very attractive spot. Now, I know a lot of people was like, well, it's a terrible team. It's a terrible team, but it's still the charter franchise in the NFL. And besides the charter franchise in the NFL, now you have a quarterback here. And a lot there's going to be a lot of coaches who are going to want to work with this quarterback. And I do think – before, I was 50-50 on Ryan Pace getting uh, fired. And actually, as early as two weeks ago, I thought that there was no chance that Ryan Pace would get fired. But after seeing what's been happening over these la- over this last 10 days and him not really speaking to the media and a lot of people even start speculating. There was actually an article that came out yesterday that said that he's expected to be fired. I do think that both of them will be sent uh, out of here on January 10th, which is the only date the Bears fans need to worry about. I don't care about this Niners game. I think we should lose as many games as possible. Y'all can call me a bad fan, but everything has to, every, everybody has to go. I'm going to quote Captain America in Winter Soldier when he said Hydra, Shield is all the same thing. Both of them got to go. Everybody got to go. We got to have the same change we had with the Bulls, where it's got to be lifted from the ground up. And I do believe, I don't believe in rebuilds in the NFL. There's no such thing as rebuilds in the NFL. It's retools. This is not a hard fix. You've got a franchise quarterback. You've got a, I don't say franchise running back. I don't really believe in that anymore. Uh, but you have a young running back in, in Dave Montgomery, who was a top 10 back in this league, who you got to build from. You've got a young up-and-coming offensive line that's finally getting healthy that you can build around. And, of course, on the defensive side of the ball, you got Khalil Mack, who's having a, who had a great season before he got injured. Robert Quinn is finally looking good in that deal. And you've got a guy in Jalen Johnson. And I will say this about Eddie Jackson. I talk a lot of shit about Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson is not the best tackler. But if you look at the stats this year, he's actually has not missed that many tackles this year. And when he's when he missed those three games, it was so easy for teams to throw on this defense. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was throwing for damn near 400 yards. And just you can see his presence when he came back on Thursday. I actually got to give some love to Eddie Jackson. 
I do wish he would tackle better. I do wish he would have more turnovers like he usually has been used to doing. But I think he's a pretty solid player, and you've got him and Jalen Johnson. And, of course, Roquan Smith, who I believe is the most underrated linebacker in football right now. He's going to get a massive contract this offseason. So you've got a nice core to build around whoever that next general manager is going to be and whoever that next head coach is going to be. Any head coaches want to play in a big market, you know, bring this team back from the dead and play with a young guy like Justin Fields. So I feel like that's going to be something that all Bears fans need to pay attention to. Don't worry about the next six games. Shit, I think they're only going to win one more. They'll probably be against the Giants. You know, Kyler Murray's coming back this Sunday. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm expecting the ass whooping of epic proportions. We already know what's gonna happen the week after that in Green Bay. We we don't even need to go through this anymore. We know what's gonna happen. Twelve gonna kick our ass. He owns us like he always says. Only thing I can see is the Giants. So six more weeks and we can get some real productivity done. But uh, as we're recording this, is Thursday and Week 13 kicks off today. Uh, now I will be. I'll, I'll give my prediction for Cowboys Saints. Even though you'll probably be watching this on a Friday. And the game will probably be over, but we can't be over by then. But we'll talk about that anyway. But my top five biggest storylines coming into week 13 off of week 12. I'm going to go with number five. I don't think there's any Super Bowl favors this year. And I think that's one of the real interesting things about the league this year is I can't think of one team that I'm just like, okay, if I had to bet my house on this team winning, I, I couldn't do it. You know, I think there's at least five, six teams maybe you could sell me on winning the Super Bowl this year. And I will say that, you know, the NFL is probably the team, probably the league that has the most um, parity. Uh, Major League Baseball has a, ni- has a nice little parity. We'll get into them in a minute with the lockout, which I'm discussing about. But the NBA doesn't have parity. But I will say over the last season and a half, this is probably the closest to parity that we're ever going to get. But NFL is definitely paired. But this is a different kind of thing. Like, even with the amount of parity that the NFL has, there's usually always one or two dominant teams. It's just like, okay, I'm going to really, really put money on them. I don't see that. You can sell me on the Green Bay Packers winning it. You can sell me on Buffalo Bills winning it. You can sell me on uh, Arizona Cardinals. You can sell me on – you can damn sure sell me on Tampa, obviously. And at this point, shit, you might be able to sell me on New England. Like, it's getting to that point where you can buy you – can, there's a couple of teams where you can really sell me on that. But at the end of the day, it comes down to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this is why, even though there's no favorites, you still got to prove to me that in January you can beat this man. Now it's happened before. doesn't happen a lot. This is a guy who's been to the playoffs. I've mean, been to the Super Bowl 10 times. This is a guy who I think he's had to – he's been to at least 12 or 13 – you know, championship games, which is asinine. He went to the championship like a championship game for like a full decade. So you got to prove to me that you can beat January Tommy, as I like to call him, on the you know on the road at home. I don't think you can do it. This is a guy who went to Lambeau Field last year, uh, and 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 beat uh, Aaron Rodgers. This is a guy who, who uh, you know, everybody was like, oh, how's it gonna be when he comes to the NFC? He came to the NFC and he knocked out Drew Brees, knocked out. Aaron Rodgers, and then what he did in the Super Bowl, knocked out Patrick Mahomes, and obviously Patrick Mahomes and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have not looked the same. Uh, and also, we have breaking news right here in, in talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The NFL has suspended Antonio Brown for three games for misrepresenting COVID-19 vaccination status. I don't really know much to say about that besides Antonio Brown is just, if you know anything about Antonio Brown, I'm really, really shocked he's out here faking vaccination cards. But anyway... Let's go back to the Buccaneers. Outside of Antonio Brown, this is a team that's starting to get healthy. This is a team that went on a roll last week in Indianapolis, a team that's really been surging, playing great football. Carson Wentz is starting to look a little better. They have the one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the NFL right now, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, they got a really good defense. Darius Leonard and them are doing some good things. And they've been playing really, really, really well, trying to work their way into this wild card race. They had one up to like three or four in a row, had a blowout win in Buffalo. And Tampa Bay went in and took care of business. Antoine Winfield had a big game. The defense is starting to get healthy. Gronk is back. A.B. will eventually be back after the suspension, which would be close to like three three uh, games left in the season, get ready for the playoffs. And, of course, you've got to go. And on top of that, they've got a running game this year. Leonard Fournette has been looking great. He had four touchdowns against Indianapolis. This is a team where it's like, even though there's no favorites, can you beat them? I'm not convinced that anybody can beat this team. And that's why I'm just going to say, you got to prove it to me. So until, until Brady loses, I'm going to keep rolling with him. And number four storyline is the Seattle Seahawks era of Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson is over. 
This team is three and seven, three and eight right now. Terrible team. Russell's coming off that injury, his first real big injury of his career. Did not have a great game these last two games, especially on Monday Night Football against Washington. But it's going to come to a head this, this offseason. Of course, there was already rumors about him wanting to leave this offseason prior to this season. We already know about that big offer the Bears offered uh, Seattle to bring Russell Wilson here. And the, the uh, Seahawks decided to say no last minute and decided to run it back with Russ and Pete Carroll won last year. It's not going to happen this year. This team's not going to make the playoffs. This is the first time they've had a record this bad in the Pete Carroll-Russell Wilson era. And either one of Pete, Pete uh, Carroll or Russell Wilson are going to be gone this offseason. And if you're a Seahawks fan, it might be, you might have prayed it's not both. Because I think Russ, he's fed up of playing there. And I think the, the, situ, the relationship with Pete Carroll has it's run its course. You know what I'm saying? And if I was the owner of the Seattle Seahawks, who would I choose between an old coach or my franchise quarterback? I mean, to me, it's really a no-brainer. I give Russ a new contract, and I tell Pete Carroll, we appreciate your time here. We appreciate you for bringing the uh, World Championship to Seattle. We wish you well on your future and on your future endeavors. So I don't really know how that's going to come to head, but I can guarantee you that one or both of them will not be back next year. And if you're Seattle, just, you know, appreciate these last couple weeks because one of the two, if not, are going to be gone. And number three. Uh, my third story, Cleveland, man, I, I I like being right. I like being right about things, and I've been trying to tell people for the longest time that Baker Mayfield ain't it. Baker Mayfield is really a sober Johnny Manziel, if we want to really be serious about it. Baker Mayfield has more commercials on TV than he has touchdowns. A lot of people want to blame, oh, Odell did this, Odell did that. It's not Odell, bro. It's him. This guy is not that good. I don't think Odell, I don't think Baker's trash. Even if so, the Johnny Menzel thing is just a joke. I'm not really comparing him. He's obviously better than Johnny Menzel. But he's not it. And I think the, the Browns had a lot of hype coming into the season. A lot of people, not me because I have a brain on inside of my head, uh, had this team winning the Super Bowl. Uh, had my homie Chops on here. He's a diehard Cleveland sports fan. He said it was Super Bowl or bust for this team. My brother said he had the Browns win the Super Bowl. And I was like, they have a good team. They got a good defense, good running game. But you got to have the quarterback. And I just don't believe Baker's that guy. And we've been seeing it time and time again this season. I understand he's hurt. I know it's the first thing the Browns fans going to tell me. Oh, he's hurt. Anybody trying to hear that shit? It's week 13. Everybody's fucking hurt. Everybody's fucking hurt. There's not one player, especially quarterbacks, who don't have a severe injury by this time in the season. So I'm not trying to hear that. You had a game against Baltimore where Lamar Jackson threw four interceptions, bro, four, and you couldn't capitalize on that and win that and win that football game. And now you're in a hole right now. And then the worst part for Cleveland is because you're in the middle. The worst part to be in sports is the middle. If you're good, obviously you're contending for championships, you're winning games, everybody's happy. If you're bad, there's no way, there's nowhere else to go but up. You know that you have a clear path of what you got to do. You know that you need more talent. When you're in the middle, you're just stuck there. And Baker Mayfield isn't bad enough that, you know, you would, you know, not give him a contract, but he ain't good enough to take you over the top. So unless you got a quarterback like, you know, you can hope that Aaron Rodgers wants to leave Green Bay still. I don't know why he would leave Green Bay to Cleveland. I mean, I don't I mean. Green Bay is not a fun city either. Both of those cities suck. But if I was going to go anywhere, it definitely wouldn't be neither one of those. So I don't know why he would do that. I mean, maybe Russell Wilson want to come there. That's something you could hope for maybe. But let's just say those two things don't happen. You're going to be kind of forced to pay Baker. And that's going to be a fucked up situation. So Cleveland, hey, I know how it feels. I know how it feels to wish a mid-quarterback was better. I rooted for Jay Cutler for almost a damn decade. I know how it feels. I know how I see that arm talent that Jay had. Oh, he, he throws just like Brett Favre. Like, if, if only he could cut the interceptions down half. Jay just didn't do that, and Jay didn't give a fuck. And that's just something that I had to accept. I know how to have a year where you're just playing well, like the 2018 Bears, where they went 12-4, and Won a division. I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be the beginning of the golden age of Bears football. And next year, with all the Super Bowl expectations on this team, you realize your quarterback is trash and he couldn't build off the good year he had before. And you realize that, hey, this coach stinks. And you realize that, hey, we're an 8-8-ass eight eight team. It, it sucks. It hits you to your core. Trust me, I know. I hate the 2019 Bears. So I feel your pain, Cleveland. But at the same time, I told you so. Now let's go to another thing that I am going to be right about. Number two, everybody was hyping 
up the damn L.A. Rams. My cousin, who is a notorious team hopper, hopping on the Rams. And I love Odell. I think Von Miller was a good pickup. Von is not the Von we know him he used to be when you're playing with uh, two guys who are the best at their position in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And with Aaron Donald, who I believe is the second best player in football, period, whatever position you got. Vaughn just has to do his role, and I think those are great additions, and I do think they will help out tremendously. But the problem here is, like I said, don't put your fucking money on John Matthew Stafford. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 he is what he is, bro. He is what he is. I understand he played for the Lions. I understand the Lions are terrible. But let's not forget about that 2013 season where the Lions were actually good, and they started the season 6-1, and one, and they ended up winning only one game for the rest of the fucking year. Like... And they crawled into the playoffs because he was playing bad. He's a guy who he's not a bad quarterback. And if you want to keep it a buck, he's probably a top 10 quarterback. He's probably like 9 or 10. But it's the same thing like I was saying with Baker, where he's, he's, not, a, he's not a guy who's going to take you over the top. And we're seeing this in this three-game losing streak. He's had a pick six in all three of these games that the, uh, that the Rams have lost. And so that, to me, is going to be an issue. Do you think? And they're a wild card team. They're not going to win the division. Uh, the, the Cardinals are 9-2. and two. They've done a good job of holding the fort. Colt McCoy has done a damn good job over these last three games when Colin Murray's been hurt. And Colin Murray is coming back this weekend to kick the Bears' ass and to get this team really, really rolling into the postseason. So the Rams are not going to win the division. So they're going to be a wild card team, and they're going to have to go on the road. Do you think this team can go on the road to Arizona can win? I'm not picking them. You think they're going to go on the road to Green Bay? They couldn't beat Green Bay this past weekend. It wasn't even cold. You think they're going to go on to Green Bay, Lambeau Field, the Frozen Tundra in January and beat 12? Get the fuck out of here. It's not happening. And he damn sure ain't going to Tampa Bay and beating the GOAT. That ain't happening. So I don't see where this is going to pan out. And, and you gave up two first-round draft picks for Matthew Stafford. And they're, they're definitely Super Bowl or bust. And I'm telling you right now. Matthew Stafford is who he is. Everybody was telling me I was a hater. Are oh, you just mad? No, 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 no. no. I don't, first of all, I don't know why I'd be mad because we always kicked the Lions' ass when he was there anyways. I have no reason to be mad. It's not like this is the Green Bay situation. I'm telling you who this dude is. And people starting to see it, and I'm telling you, in a couple weeks, next month, January, you're going to see prime time what this boy is like. Now, we're going to go to the number one story heading into this week. The evil empire is back. The Sith Lord himself Bill Belichick, hoodie God, the New England Patriots are back. The Patriots are back. Then you know the the reports of their demise have been greatly exaggerated. And Mac Jones, man, I I've I, I won't say I've been killing the kid, but I've been critical of him this season. But I gotta give it to him. The boy doing his thing. He's doing his thing, and I think he's in the most perfect situation out of all the rookie quarterbacks. I think a lot of people are getting off the Trevor Lawrence bandwagon way too early. I still think that dude is a stud. I still think that Trevor's probably going to be the best quarterback in this in this draft. I mean, let's not forget that Trevor – I try, I call Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields the magic and bird of football over the last decade because they've been like child prodigies. We all know they were covered on the QB1 show on Netflix. They've been 1A – they've been QB1 and QB uh, – QB1A, QB1B since they've been in high school. We've seen the battles that, that they had in college. And Justin has had a better season than Trevor. That's because Trevor's surrounded by literal bullshit in Jacksonville. But I do think those two, those two quarterbacks will end up being the best quarterbacks in this draft. But Mac has a quicker start because he's surrounded by a great, great situation. He's in the Patriot way. You're being coached by the greatest coach of all time. You've got a great defense um, that's been out here winning games for you. And one thing about Mac. He doesn't have the explosive plays, but he's starting to get, like, I think we're seeing a little bit more explosiveness from him each week. I think this game this past Sunday against Tennessee was probably the best game that I've seen him play as a pro. There was some throws that I was like, wow, this kid might have something. And I think that's going to be something that's going to really carry this team. And I'm really excited to see how they're going to play Monday Night Football. This is going to be a huge game. I can't remember the last time we've had a big Monday Night Football game. Can they go out there and win and really take a hold of this division, man. So I think everybody needs to put their antennas up because the Patriots are back. And that's a nice segue into my uh, top three must-watch games of Week 13. For number three, I'm going to go with Bengals and Chargers. This is a real uh, show-me-something game for the Chargers. The Chargers started off hot 
Um, they've been really, really inconsistent since then. I mean, Justin Herbert's still been good, but I still want to see a streak of games where he's just going out there killing people uh, consistently, and I haven't seen that yet. This is really a shit or get off the pot game for them because you got the Bengals who are really in this AFC North race with Baltimore, and they're holding on to that fourth seed in the uh, AFC. Can they take that next leap? They just destroyed the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. Great game by um, that whole team over there. But can they take it to them? Can they take it to another level against the Chargers? And the Chargers, if the Chargers lose this game, they, they might be in danger of missing the playoffs. So this is a big game for both teams, but more importantly for the Chargers. Number two, I got the Chiefs and the Broncos. This is a big game for both because the Broncos win this one. They'll be 7-5, and they'll be in this wild card race. Uh, you know, real tough for the last couple weeks coming to the season. The Chiefs, the Chiefs got to show me something offensively. There's a lot of people, including myself, talking about the defense. The defense was very poor, like the majority of this season. But the last, I'd say, three to four games, they've really, really been tightening up. And the defense actually won this last game against Dallas last week before their bye week. And we need to see more from the offense. Pat needs to get back to being Pat. They need to run the football more. The offensive line needs to guard for Pat. And I think it's going to be a big opportunity. Can Pat get it going against a great defense they have in Denver? If he can, I think there's going to be some good stuff for uh, Kansas City moving forward. And my number one game of the week is the one I was just talking about, Bills-Patriots, Monday Night Football. It will be in Buffalo. The Bills have, you know, been, you know, kind of hot and cold this week. I mean, this season, 75. They were my pick to come out the AFC. So I kind of need them to win this game so I can look right. But this is another game which, to me, I don't think they expected to have a challenge in the AFC East this year. I think they expected the Cruz. You know, Miami wasn't going to really do nothing. The Jets are the fucking Jets. And we didn't think that the Patriots were going to have this bounce back. Yeah, now they're a game behind the Patriots in the standings. So they really need to win this game so they can take a hold of this division. You don't want to start, uh, you know, your season, your, your, you know, your road to the Super Bowl on the road. So I think it's going to be a big game for them. It's also a statement game for the Pagers. The Pagers go on the road and they can beat this team and take a two-game lead in this division. I think it's fair to say that you can start to pick this team as a Super Bowl contender. So this is going to be real, real exciting to watch. And that's going to be my number one game to watch for this season, man. Um, Let's get into my Week 13 predictions. Now, last week I didn't do a prediction because we didn't have a show because of Thanksgiving. Um, But my record up to date right now is 84-37. and 37. Now, Granted, I missed like two or three weeks in the, in the season so far, so... These are not all the games, but so far my record's been 84 and 37. So I'm pretty, pretty decent at this thing so far. So we're going to start with Cowboys Saints. And, of course, when you're watching this, this game will have been over already. But I'm pretty sure I'm going to be right. The Cowboys are going to win this game. It's going to be a nice get get a bounce-back game for them, even though they've lost three of their last four. They're able to get on track. They're gonna have, they got a lot of uh, division games coming up the rest of the season. But fortunately for them, they play in the NFC least, and they should be fine. Saints don't really have nothing going for them after uh, Jameis got hurt. Trevor Simeon, a lot of people realize he's finally finally realized that he is Trevor Simeon. He's been benched for the human embodiment of white privilege, Taysom Hill. I'm not expecting anything from him. He's a gadget player. He's not a starting quarterback. I don't even know why they paid this dude again, but whatever. And also, quiet is kept. Now, I'm not saying this is going to happen because great things don't happen for the team now root for. But it's slowly, slowly starting to be some rumors that Sean Payton might want to leave to come coach the Bears. We all know he went to Eastern Illinois. He would love to be attached to a young quarterback as much as I love just, uh, Jameis. He ain't it. So that, that, that could be a potential opening right there, something to pay attention to for the rest of this season. Uh, going on to the next game, Bucks falcons The Bucks are 8-3. and three. They're getting healthy. They're getting their guys back. Uh and the Falcons stink. The Falcons stink, and the Bucks, I think, are going to easily win this one. And you're going to really start to see them start to gap, uh, it's, you know, widen the gap in the NFC South to win this division. I think they're going to put themselves in the conversation with the Packers and the Arizona Cardinals to get home field throughout the NFC playoffs and, of course, get that first-round bye. Bengals-Chargers, like I talked about, my third must-watch game this week. I'm going to pick the Bengals just because I don't have enough faith in the Chargers. The Chargers have not been consistent. The Bengals are at home. Joey B, Joe Burrow has been playing real great ball. Jamar Chase, I believe, is the offensive rookie of the year. The defense is starting to make plays, and I think they're going to really take this game over the top. And the Chargers are going to be looking at some problems here, man. A lot of people was hyping up Brandon Staley. They can't miss the playoffs this year with everybody healthy first year back and with Justin Herbert. So I'm going to pick the Bengals. Vikings and Lions. 
I mean, there's really not much to say about this game. The, the Lions stink. The Lions are uh, going to be 0-9 or 0-10, whatever the hell their record is. They're going to be winless again. I'm sorry, Lions fans. I'm really not, but I'm just saying that. The Vikings have one of the best offenses in the league. Love Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins, but it's been enough to – it's going to be enough to beat the Lions. You know this team has an extremely hard time of closing games. I do not think they'll have a problem this Sunday. Dolphins and Giants. This is going to be a nasty game, but at the same time, I got to give the Dolphins a little love. Now, I said a couple weeks ago I was done picking the Dolphins because they always be making me look stupid. But they've been playing some really good ball over these last four weeks. They're coming off a big win last week. Tua has actually been playing well. Could he be the starting quarterback next year? I think once the Chargers or uh, whatever the situation is going on in Houston with uh, Deshaun Watson, if that, if that gets cleared up, I do think Houston will come to his senses and realize, hey, we've got a young uh, franchise quarterback. Yes, he probably should be uh, not on the team because he, he's a nasty man, but this dude can throw the football. Maybe we should keep him. So I don't think he's really going to get traded. And I think that if Tua keeps playing like he's been playing these four last four games and carries this through the last six games of the season, the Dolphins are going to stick with him. So I do think the Dolphins win this game. The Giants are terrible. The Giants are probably the only other team that I think has, like, Top three worst situation in football. You know, you know, you know, you know your team stinks when you have to bring back the old heads. Like they retired Michael Strahan jersey this week, so you can give the crowd something to give a shit about. That just tell you where the Giants are right now. So I'm gonna go with the Dolphins. Eagles, Jets. Don't waste your fucking time. Eagles are gonna win. Uh, Colts, Texans. The Colts are six and six right now, trying to stay afloat in the wild card race in the AFC, which is a thick wild card race. But thankfully for them, they're playing the terrible ass Texans. And I think they're going to bounce back and get this W. Washington football team and the Raiders. The Raiders are another super inconsistent team. Now, Washington. Washington's been playing much better the last couple weeks. Actually, much better than I expected, considering Chase Young is out for the year. Uh, Tyler Heineke actually been playing some pretty decent ball. He's had really two good wins. One against Seattle on primetime. And, of course, remember they beat the Buccaneers two weeks ago. I think they're going to win this game against the Raiders. And I expect Heineke to have another big game. Rams, Jags. Rams lost three in a row. Like I said about Dallas, you always need that get right game. And nothing is better than getting right than playing the Jacksonville Jaguars at the crib. This is going to be a destroy. They're going to destroy the shit out of them. Stafford, Stat Padford is going to get his three touchdowns. Everybody's going to act like he's good again. That's what's going to happen. Raven Steelers. To me, Raven Steelers is probably one of the top three best rivalries over the last 10, 15 years. Um, it's always a very physical game. Like you can, I can feel my own damn shoulder hurting when I'm watching the Ravens and Steelers play. But I do think the Ravens are gonna win this game. Uh, the Ravens have the best record in the AFC, but it's one of those things where I'm not really. I don't think they're the best team in the AFC despite their record. Um, everybody thinks I hate Lamar Jackson. I do not hate Lamar Jackson. I just don't think the boy can throw that well, as we've consistently seen this season. But whatever. The Steelers just stink. The Steelers are a mess right now. Uh, their quarterback. Another quarterback who should be in prison, which he got away with, which I don't understand. Inmate number seven, he is in his last days. The Bengals really, I feel, put the final nail in the coffin in that dude last week. And I don't expect much from them. T.J. Watt has been pro placed in COVID protocol, so that's really going to hamper their defense. I think Lamar Jackson going to have a great bounce back game, and I do think the Ravens are going to win this one. They're going to start to really put the Steelers in the rearview mirror in just conversation and football, period. Uh, Niners Seahawks, which we're to my best rivalries. Niners Seahawks is in that top three best rivalry the last 10, 15 years. The Niners have quietly been playing good football these last three weeks. Seahawks stink right now. I wouldn't be shocked if the Seahawks won just because it's a rivalry game. The Seahawks always play well against the Niners. And let's be real, still Jimmy fucking Garoppolo on the other side for, uh, San Francisco. But I picked San Francisco in the NFC Championship game for this season. I'm probably going to be wrong, but I'm going to take this to the, you know, go down with the ships. I'm going to have the Niners going to win this game, and they're going to keep a hold on one of those last two wild card spots. Chiefs-Broncos, um, like I said, this is a big game for the uh, for both teams. Can the Broncos win this one, move to 7-5, get in this wild card race? And can the Chiefs offense finally get some momentum, finally get going? Can Pat start to look like the Patrick Mahomes we know and love? I don't know what the offense is going to look like, but I do think they're going to win this game, and I got the Chiefs winning. And, of course, Monday Night Football, my number one game to watch, Bills-Patriots. I think the Bills get a nice win. I think it's going to be a very competitive win. I think the Patriots are going to have opportunities. And, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked 
if the Patriots won. But I think this is one of those things where the Bills know what time it is. They know that they know they're gonna be at home. They know this is the uh, you know, this is the final final stretch. You got six more weeks left in this in this season, and they need to get right. They need to get that number one seed and have people come to Buffalo. With that snow, that cold, Bills Mafia out there, them throwing babies and tables. They want that type of atmosphere in the playoffs. I think they're going to go out there and get this win, and they're going to really, really make this AFC East battle go down to the wire with New England, and I think they're going to win. So that's it for my uh, football talk for this. We're going to get into a little baseball. Now, we are officially in a lockout, officially in a lockout, uh, the first lockout that Major League Baseball has seen since the 1994 season. If you're a Chicago White Sox fan, you remember that season vividly because that season that the White Sox probably could have won the fucking World Series. Um, now, of course, we eventually won it 11 years later in 2005, but that was the year that Frank Thomas won back-to-back MVPs. The White Sox had the number one record in the league. They were primed to go head-to-head with the Expos. were really, really great that year. Um, and then the season got canceled. And also, if you're a Bulls fan, that's also another reason you probably remember this because that's the only reason Michael Jordan came back. Uh, the lockout happened and Michael Jordan got bored and he was like, let me go back to the NBA and start busting ass again. So it's been almost 26 years since so we've had a lockout. Rob Manford, who is the worst commissioner in sports, shout out to my ball don't lock co-host Dante, who always gets angry when anytime Rob Manford is brought up. He's the worst commissioner in sports. He had a, a press conference today, which I should have brought audio clips about, but he had a press conference today in Arlington, Texas. And he had a quote to me that really told me this long this lockout is going to be long as shit. He said that having, free, having players be free agents earlier in their career is not something they view as a positive thing, which is the most asinine thing to ever say. Like, the thing about the MLB as well, and I forgot who tweeted this. Um, somebody follow him on Twitter. I forgot. If I forgot your name, I'm sorry. He tweeted, the MLB is wild because the first six years you eating ramen noodles, and then the next day it's, hey, here's $250 million. Like, that is wild. And with arbitration and things of that nature, it takes a long time for players to really get that bag. And I don't feel like it should be that way. It should be like the NBA where, you know, you should be able to get to be a free agent earlier. It should be able to, where these contracts shouldn't be this damn long. And also for minor leagues, the minor leagues need to have better places to live. Like these kids shouldn't be starving trying to play a game that they love. And it, to me, it pisses me off because I'm a diehard baseball fan. Baseball is my second favorite sport after football. And the fact that we're probably going to have to wait till June, maybe even July for this season to start because we have greedy ass owners is fucking pathetic. And you got a, a, you got a, a commissioner who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And it's just really, it's really, it's really kind of sad. It's really kind of sad. And we've got to watch this staring contest going. I don't think we're going to hear any type of news, period, to at least mid-February, like after the Super Bowl. And, you know, Rob Manfred said that they, they have confidence this is get done for spring training. When you say stuff like what you said and how the players, and the players have not reacted well. There's been a lot of, a lot of responses on social media of players having changed their avi to the dark silhouette of players on there basically protesting this thing. And if you go to the website, there's nothing current. It's all shit from 1995, 1996. And I think it's going to be a long staring contest. And if you're a baseball fan, buckle up. Now, since uh, we knew this lockout was going to happen, this isn't something that came out then there, we saw a pretty quick free agency period with a lot of teams signing players and getting these deal done before the uh, the CBA ran out because we don't know what the fuck the CBA is going to look for the next season. Now, of course, big free agents like Chris Bryant, Carlos Correa, and guys like that have not signed contracts yet. You've seen big market franchises like the Dodgers and the Yankees. They haven't made any moves. My Chicago White Sox only made uh, one move, bringing in Kendall Graveman, which I thought was a good move to bring him in as a setup man for Liam Hendricks because we all know that Craig Kimbrell is going to be traded. Let's get over, go over some of the deals that did happen, man. So there was maybe five notable deals um, that happened. And the funny thing about these deals is all these other teams that haven't made the playoffs last year. Um, so we're going to start with the first one. Corey Seager left the Dodgers. He's now in Texas, signed a 10-year, $325 million deal. And if you're Carlos Correa and if you're Scott Boris, you're doing a Birdman hand rub right now. And Corey Seager's injured ass got $325 million. Carlos can for sure get 375. So he's going to the Rangers. That's not what, a, what the Rangers didn't stop. They also picked up Marcus Simeon. 
a lot of people like, oh, Marcus Simeon had a career year. Can he do that again? You know, we were not have, we haven't seen him hit 40 home runs before. Can he be that guy consistently? Um, why would you give a 31-year-old a seven-year deal? Well, he ended up getting that seven-year deal with the Rangers for $175 million. And then we got Robbie Ray, somebody else who's also in Toronto with Marcus Simeon. He won the AL Cy Young. He signed to Seattle for five years, $115 million. I love this deal for Seattle because Seattle has not made the playoffs in over 21 years. It will be 21 years next year. And they got very close, damn close. Went up to the last game of the season, but they ultimately missed out on the final wild card spot. But unlike times before, they they did not, you know, say, oh, we're, we're fine. We're getting close. They signed Robbie Ray. They went out there and traded for Avi Garcia. I really, really like what they're doing out there. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they got Eduardo Escobar. He might have signed with but I think Eduardo Escobar went to Seattle. Um, so I really like what they got going on over there. It's, it's a big blow for Toronto. Toronto loses Ray and Simeon, who you can say were two of their top three best players last year. Of course, they got Vladdy. Vlad is best, but that's going to be a big blow for them. So I really want to see how they're going to bounce back from that. Uh, another move to happen, Javi Baez. I did not expect him to leave the Mets because the Mets have an owner who doesn't give a shit about spending money. He'll spend whatever the fuck he wants to spend. So I thought that he was going to stay in New York, especially play with his friend Francisco Lindor. Maybe the way the fans treated him uh, towards the end of the season, factoring his decision in leaving. If any time you decide to leave New York City for Detroit, to me, there had to be something going else on. But Javi uh, Baez, the signs of Detroit Tigers, six-year, $140 million. There is an option for him to opt out, player option after two seasons. I can pretty much guarantee you he's going to opt out after year two. But I think that pro probably takes Detroit out of the running for Carlos Correa. And as a White Sox fan, I would definitely rather deal with Javi Baez for 30, 30 games out the year instead of fucking Carlos Correa. So I will take that. And the last deal at the buzzer deal that happened, uh, that punk-ass team on the north side signs Marcus Stroman to a three-year, $70 million deal. Now, I'm not going to come off. I, mean, I know Cub fans are probably going to say I'm a hater for this, but I don't really give a fuck about them any damn way, so whatever. I do think it's a good contract. I think it's a good contract uh, for both teams. Um, $71 million, three years. I think it's a real team-friendly deal for the Cubs also. I think it's a win-win. But I see a lot of talk from Cub fans on my Twitter timeline acting like this means that they're a good team again. No, it's a good start. I mean, you got you a good a good uh, pitcher. He's not an ace. Uh, Mark Strom is not an ace. I saw a lot of people saying that she has these. Now, I still think he's the second best pitcher in the Cubs rotation. I still think Kyle Hendricks is better. It's a good start. I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, now you can go get Carlos Correa. I still don't think Carlos Correa is going to the Cubs. I still think he'll probably be a Yankee. Shit, he might be a Dodger. There might be a sleeper team in there somewhere. But this is still a very bad roster. It's a very bad. You don't have a core. You sign Jan Gomes, which means you're going to trade Wilson Contreras, which makes zero fucking sense to me. Going to trade him. Who at these other positions do you have that you can stay a part of the, of the core? You got, you got faith in Frank Schwindel, nigga, playing first base? Really? Patrick Wisdom had broke the rookie record last year but, well, for home runs, broke Chris Bryant record, but the motherfucker 32. He's 32. Like, this is not a core here. Like, you still have a lot of questionable holes on this team. This is still, by far, the third best team in the NL Central. Like, it's not even close. St. Louis is better than them. Milwaukee's damn sure better than them. So I don't understand all this hype. And I see a lot of them talking shit about the White Sox. Oh, well, y'all rain coming to another. We don't have a rain anyway. Only purple who reigns is the damn champion. But, no, we're still better team than y'all. Like, get the fuck out of here. I don't care what moves we ain't made yet. On paper, we're still better than y'all. Yeah, I like Marcus Stroman and his do-rags. I fuck with Stroman. But it's going to be pretty funny when Elo is sending that damn do-rag on a fucking Dan Ryan in the middle of July next year. So I just want to say, good signing, but please, calm the fuck down, Okay. He's still in the projects. The Ryan Terry, the Ryan Terry days are still here, and they're not going anywhere. Now we're gonna talk about my White Sox. I know if you're a Cub fan, like, what are you gonna say about the White Sox? Y'all ain't signed nobody. That's fine. We ain't signed nobody yet. Am I gonna sit up here and act like I'm happy with the way free agency started? No. I wish the White Sox would act like a big market team. But the truth of the matter is this: something that I've accepted, and White Sox fans need to accept. And, by the way, I'm just as tough on White Sox fans as I am on Cub fans. I think White Sox fans are the most annoying fan base in all of Chicago sports. I've never met 
or seen a more whiny family. Like, y'all just be crying all the damn time. Like, shut the fuck up. You're getting mad about every damn signing. You have a small market team in a big city. Embrace it. Now, there's holes on this team. We need a right fielder. We need an everyday second baseman. We need a backup catcher. You know what I'm saying? And so there's different holes. Like, like Rick Hahn said in his press conference, those holes will be filled. I do believe they're going to be filled, whether trade or not. And this is why you build up your farm system. I love Gavin Sheets. Love Andrew Vaughn. Love Garrett Crochet. I love these young guys we've got. And I love the promise that we've got with um, – with um, Cespedes' brother. You know, we've got Oscar Colas coming in, who a lot of people say might be the Cuban Otani. And I think those are huge, huge, huge shoes to fill. And I'm not ready to put that much dip on my chip, but he's a great uh, player that's in this system. So you got a lot of these young players that we're probably going to have to trade to fill those holes because this team doesn't want to spend money in free agency. It ain't my fucking money. So whatever way you want to fill this roster up is fine with me. I believe Rick Hahn. I trust Rick Hahn. I think he's going to get the job done. He proved that to me at the trade deadline. Now, granted, the players we brought in didn't wait, work the way we wanted to outside of maybe Ryan Tapera. But the fact that he was aggressive and made those moves told me that he's going to do what he can to get the job done. And I have no type of – I know for a fact this team will be better whenever the hell we do play baseball game. And it also comes down to the core. And this is a team that won 93 games last year with significant injuries to three members of their core. And Yasmani Grandel missing up to two months. Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert missed a great, maybe 75, 80% of the damn season. So you get all those to help, all those guys healthy. This team can easily win 100 games as constructed right now. So I do feel like these things will be fixed and, I just want to say, White Sox fans, be patient. Now, if we're sitting up here, whenever the hell training camp starts, and I'm going to call it training camp because it might actually start in the summer and it won't be spring training, and the team isn't better, then, yeah, be free. I'll talk shit about Rick Khan. We all do that. But until then, give the man time to work, man. Uh, We're going to uh, talk about the NBA real, real quick as we wrap this up. I just want to talk about the Warriors, man, the Warriors and the Suns. Great game this past Tuesday. The Suns coming out with a big victory. They've won 17 in a row, which is a franchise high streak for them. And now, man, they're really going to – the only bad thing happened for them was Devin Booker got hurt. He's got a hamstring injury. It's going to keep him out for some for some games. But I think just to see DeAndre Ayton get active, go out there and win that game for him. The defense they played on Steph was amazing. Went 4 for 21 from the field. And he really didn't have nothing. They were able to out there and win that game. Now, if you're the Warriors – yeah, you lost, but I don't sweat about this. The reason I don't sweat about this is because this Warriors team as presently constructed is not going to be the same Warriors team with like a month from now. Klay Thompson is on his way back. He's already been playing scrimmaging with the with Santa Cruz Warriors. He's expected back the week of Christmas. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and act like he's going to be the Clay of old right away. This is a guy who hasn't played basketball in two and a half years. Last time we seen him on the court was game six of the 2019 finals, which honestly feels, considering everything we've been through, and not just sports and the NBA, but in life with COVID and everything, feels like 10 fucking years ago. So it's been a long time. He's coming off ACL tear. He's coming off an Achilles tear. It's going to take a minute. Not a good thing for Clay. He's got a great shot. He's a spot-up shooter. You can come off screens. He's going to find a way to get his shot, and I don't think that offensively is going to take him as long. I think the most, the biggest impact we're going to see is defensively. I don't think he's going to be the great defender that we want, once knew him to be, but he will be back. That's going to help a lot for that team. And James Wiseman, he hasn't started scry- uh, scrimmaging yet, but he will be back. Probably should be back sometime in January. This is going to really round that team out. Now you're going to have guys like Jordan Poole, who's been great. He's going to be coming off the bench now. And this is going to make that team deeper, and I think they're really going to become a serious title contender. And also, Steph Curry is very close. He's under 53s away from breaking Ray Allen's all-time record, so that's something to watch out for that. And also, the rematch, which will be tonight, Friday, has been upgraded to ESPN. They've actually flexed out the Lakers. I've never seen the Lakers flexed out. This tells you how inconsistent that team is right now. Maybe like, we'd rather see Steph versus Chris Paul. So that's that's a funny thing to me there. But shout out to the Warriors. Shout out to the Suns. I would really like to see that game. Really like to see a seven-game series of that in the West Conference Finals. Uh, as far as the Lakers are, LeBron James is in COVID protocol, um, which is a bad blow for the Lakers. And honestly, it's been a rough start to the season with LeBron, and we're really seeing that. Outside of the COVID, you know, because that don't have nothing to do with age. But uh, father time is showing. 
and as a LeBron James hater, class 2002, um, I know when LeBron was cold. LeBron's still a great player. Let's not get it fucked up. I still think LeBron is top five player in the league. He's probably number five, but he's still a top five player in this league. But you can see the age. You know, we haven't seen him miss this many games early, dealing with these different injuries. And now he's going to miss another uh, 10 days. I mean, 14 days, probably going to be 10 games he's going to miss, you know, to add on to this total. I don't think, even think he's played double-digit numbers of games. If he has, he's barely over it, like at 12 or something. And this is going to be another blow for this Lakers team. And the problem with the Lakers to me is they shouldn't be this reliant on a damn near 37-year-old LeBron James. I don't think this is something that should be relied on that damn much. And they need to get some get some consistency. I'm looking at you, Anthony Davis. You are under fucking surveillance, bro. Like, you need to get your shit together and get this team right in direct right direction. Because if not, might be another short exit for the Lakers this year. Um, we're gonna wrap this thing up, man. We're gonna talk about my goofy bog of the week. Goofy mog of the week. I gotta give it to Adam Silver. The reason I'm gonna give it to him because you wasted all this time. You wasted all this time investigating the Miami Heat, investigating my Chicago Bulls. And guess what? Jigga Kelly, not guilty. Not guilty. Tampering fucking works. You can take that, uh, that punishment of a second-round pick, which really isn't going to be our next second-round pick because the way it's formatted, it's going to be a pick that's not even going to fucking matter in 2026 because Jokic is going to be on the Bulls by now. So you can take by then, you can take that pick, you can stick it up your damn ass, Adam Silver. Cheating works. Tampering works. Keep fucking doing it. I know AK and Pat Riley are somewhere right now smoking a cigar and laughing at the NBA. You wasted four damn months of this pointless-ass investigation just to give us a slap on the wrist. And I appreciate it. I thank you. But you also get the goofy mock of the week. Because he tries so hard to be Roger Goodell. But there's only one big Rod. He doesn't have it in him. R.I.P. David Stern. We miss you. We miss that anarchy that we had in the commissioner's office. Because this guy ain't got it. So I'm going to give it to Adam Silver. Um, and that's all I have for you today. On this week's edition of uh, I'm Not Gonna Hold You. It's a late edition. Hope y'all have a great weekend coming up. Enjoy some football. Uh, enjoy some college football. Enjoy everything this weekend. With we're in Christmas season, my favorite time of the year. And I know this is off topic, but it's when everybody's talking about their favorite Christmas movies, it's about time y'all announce the goat Christmas movie Friday after next. It's time for y'all to watch that and uh, get ready in the Christmas spirit, man. So we'll holler at y'all next week. We'll be on regular schedule each week up until Christmas. I am going to have a year-end special. I don't know when the exact date's gonna be. Look out for that. That's going to be coming. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Barbershare Scott. You can follow HMB Media on Twitter at HMB Media TV and on Instagram at HMB Media. Follow Barbershare Network on Twitter and Instagram at Barbershare Net and subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Barbershare Network. I'll holler at you next week. Triple double hat trick, I know the code too. Ice trade, go for trade. Yeah, we